0: It's This Week in Bourbon, where I endlessly read the newsletter, so you don't have to. And here's your headlines for February 11th, 2022. The TTB has published part two of its modernization plan for labels and what that means for bourbon. The U.S. Treasury has also released its report on promoting competition in the economy and its big news for booze. And Green River Distilling launches its new flagship bourbon and the first under the Green River label. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. welcome back everybody it's another this week in bourbon and this one i think is going to be a a big government related episode there was a a lot of things that have come out in the past week my favorite day i know it's uh, i love the government (laughs) (laughs) how much more money can we give them (laughs) you know how, much, how, many how many more, more rules are they gonna make? make yeah yeah it's it's, it's gonna be
1: constantly. how much more powerful can we make them no,
0: <laughs> but there is there's a, there's gonna be a lot of stuff on here and we'll we might as well just go ahead and, and dive into it we're uh I'm running on fumes a little bit we were kind of talking before we recording that I was I was doing some stuff with heaven's door this past week and just flew in today and so we're recording this and gonna get out the door so let's kind of let's roll into it fresh off the plane let's go yes yes. <laughs> Off some turbulence. So the first one is, again, going to the government side here. So there is a bill right now to privatize Mississippi wine and spirits distribution, and it passed the Mississippi House. So House Bill 512 passed with a vote of 112 to 2, and this bill seeks to remove the Department of Revenue from controlling the alcohol warehouse and create a new industry in Mississippi for alcohol wholesaling and warehousing. And if this bill passes, it's going to happen this year, the Senate is signed and it has to be signed by the Senate and by the governor. This act would take effect and be in force starting around January 1st of 2023. So there's your first sign of control that's states good. starting good to... good news. Yeah. So you just said it was all, all government's bad news. It's already starting <laughs> to move in the right direction.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the first start
0: with a good topic. Let's see what the other ones are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start on a high note and see where we go from there. All right. So this is a, this one isn't necessarily government, but it's more along the lines of, you know, discus and really what they have done because they came out, Everybody doesn't know, Distilled Spirits Council, uh, they came out with their annual economic briefing. And so their president and CEO, Chris Swanger, reported that the supplier sales in the United States were up 12% in 2021. To a total of $35.8 billion for spirits. And these volumes rose 9.3% to 29, sorry, 291.1 million nine-liter cases. And so here are the top five spirit revenues. Or sorry, I can't talk today. Top five spirit categories by revenue. So vodka sales, they're up almost 5% or around 341 million to 7.3 billion. Tequila and Mezcal are up a staggering 30.1% or $1.2 billion to a $5.2 billion market cap. American Whiskey up a nominal 6.7% or $288 million to $4.6 billion. And Brandy and Cognac up 13% around $403 million to $3.5 billion. And then lastly have Cordials, which this is actually the the second highest one with 15% increase to a $2.9 billion cap. The thing to also note here is that Irish whiskey was considered the third fastest growing category by revenue last year behind premixed cocktails and tequila and mezcal. It was also the third fastest growing spirit by volume, which is around 17.8%, and it's forecasted right now to overtake scotch in the
1: U.S. Wow, that's fascinating because I know, (laughs) I don't know anyone that drinks Irish whiskey whiskey. on a regular basis. I mean, I I, I used to get like... I know, but still, you would think like, like, I know, I know people who drink tequila. I know people who drink vodka. I know people who drink Aperol with cordials. And, but I can't name one person that's like a hardcore Irish whiskey fan. And I understand Jameson's like a, you know, a lot that's of shots at the say. bar and whatnot, but, uh, Still, even when I was in college, I very rarely shot Jameson. But yeah, well, whatever. What do I I know? Yeah, I mean, we're a little different. We live in Kentucky. Uh, I got some
0: friends in California, and they're big Jameson people, and they would just drink handles of it. That's just kind of what they did. But yeah, I mean, I think we just live in our own bubble in Kentucky, and we're surrounded by bourbon,
1: so we don't. We typically just probably don't see it as much. I do like powers and red breast, I guess. (laughs) Let's keep going. Now I'm, maybe I'm part of the problem or not the problem, (laughs) but part of the
0: trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's some more things they talked about legislative and policy wins. So we'll switch a little bit back to government here. So the two-year suspension on European Union tariffs and American whiskey and the steel aluminum dispute over a five-year suspension in the U.S. uh, finally was resolved. There's an inclusion of small distilleries in the restaurant revitalization fund legislation, the inclusion of historic impaired driving prevention measures in the federal infrastructure bill. And at the state level, they had cocktails to go that is now permanent in 16 states, with an additional 14 states passed the legislation to extend the measure. Uh, retailer home delivery laws passed in eight states. There were tax reductions secured for spirit-based RTDs in Michigan and Nebraska. And the passage of North Carolina law permitting distilleries to sell bottled spirits on Sunday. So there's some other yeah. things there. But here's some of the things that they have lined up for 2022 and some of their top priorities. And this is securing the immediate suspension of UK tariffs on American whiskeys. The continued support of the Restaurant Revitalization Act funding for restaurants, bars, and distilleries that were affected by the ongoing pandemic, legislation to permit the U.S. Postal Service to ship beverage alcohol to those states where it's currently permitted, fairer treatment of taxes and increased access for spirits based ready to drink products in the United States, and expanded marketplace modernizations, including cocktails to go, direct to consumer shipping, and the repeal of existing Sunday sales in, in states of South Carolina, North Carolina. Texas and Mississippi oh, and Montana. I was, I was reading through there and it said MT and I'm like running my head like, who's MT? Who's MT? I was really? like, oh There's yeah, Montana. Still no, still no sales in Texas on Sundays. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, even here in Kentucky or maybe it's just Louisville. I think it's What's one o'clock. Yeah. One o'clock. Yeah, we, you can't sell spirits before one o'clock on Sundays, which that's kind of ridiculous. I've had to, I went to go, I went to Costco on a Sunday morning one time and my wife's like, pick up some beer and I go to go and check out and they go I right, this is a really good beer but I'm sorry you can't have this I like, go what are you talking about
1: so <laughs> you like booze uh, after church not before yeah. though
0: and they're like well you got about 30 more minutes
1: until you can purchase it and i was like
0: god jeez okay fine
1: so i guess super bowl if you got well i guess it's later in the day but i'll just say you go to, saturday you night time. Yeah. So you can time. drink before
0: church. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like in here, they, they talked about a win as being in that impaired driving prevention measures because they are now going to require all these vehicles to be created that are going to have all the, I don't know, built in breathalyzers or whatever. It's just like, just start putting money into autonomous vehicles and figure this out because that's
1: going to be the future. That's going to be the way forward. Yeah. Or just Uber all the time and look. That's what I do. Yes. <laughs> smart. Do that. Smart way to do it. All right.
0: Back to more government stuff, but this is a pretty fun one. So this is all about the TTB and what they published. And I want to give a shout out to Steve Urie. He was a past guest on the podcast, Skew's recent eats. And, you know, he did all the stuff with brandy and stuff like that. And so he did a fantastic job of just bringing out the highlights. And I just blatantly ripped and copied and pasted them from his Twitter account. So here we go. So there is now a new definition for cast strength and barrel proof, which were previously undefined terms. Distilled spirits that are stored in wood barrels only when the bottling proof is not more than two degrees lower than the proof of the spirits when the spirits were dumped from the barrels. So there you go. You now have a definition for it. There's another definition for what's called original proof or original barrel proof. And that's when the proof of the spirits entered into the barrel and the proof of the bottled spirits are the same. So hence the reason why we have like, remember, full proof That oh, yeah, sort of yeah. thing that you, now it's, now you, they can call it original proof, I guess you could say. The that's definition. another line extension. Yeah, let's go for ahead. Weller. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Well, it's a, it's legal now. Like you can. It's actually a definition. Uh, the the definition of grain has also broadened to include amaranth, buckwheat, and quinoa. So quinoa bourbon coming at you soon.
1: Heart-healthy grains. Coming <laughs>
0: <laughs> the TTB rejected a stricter rule on requiring the state of distillation to be listed on spirits labels. And most distillers who commented supported it, but the industry lobbying group of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States argued that the state of distillation rule should be eliminated altogether. That was really? a weird one. Yeah. Wow. I do not know. I do not know. But... I guess that's just it's all those less. brands
1: selling MGP. They're like, we don't want Indiana on in our bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> we don't want to put it on there. But don't they? That's just maybe. I think that's across all spirits. I think bourbon has to have where it's distilled at on the label, right? Yeah, I, mean, I have no. I, idea. I've like done this for department. long
1: enough. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've done this long enough. I'm ninety nine percent sure you have to do that. I think this is just arguing for vodka and all this other kind of stuff. I gotcha. I'm blending yeah. your compliance. <laughs> <laughs> um so it also says that if a state is listed in the designation of a whiskey type on the label such as texas rye whiskey the distillation and any required aging must take place in that particular state so makes sense kind of like kentucky straight bourbon whiskey so the ttb also rejected a new definition for white whiskey the TTB added regulations clarifying that bourbon must not contain any color, flavoring, or blending materials, which now include wine and sugar. And this new regulation clarifies that whiskey with an e and spelling it without an e are both permissible spellings. There's also a new recognition of Armagnac, Calvados. Sorry, Calvados. Man, I can't spell Armagnac, Calvados, <laughs> and Brandy de Jerez as distinct products of France and Spain. Distilled in accordance with those of those nations, and they codified the class of distilled spirit specialty products as a catch-all for spirits that don't meet any current definition. And these will all go in effectiveness
1: on starting on March eleventh. So, do you think like the sugar and wine is to combat like the you know re-wetting of barrels and whatnot? That because that was kind of like a gray area with finished barrels and whatnot. I I think that's a very
0: valid assumption. It's a it's a pretty good take at it because yeah that's that's something that most people it's funny we're in this kind of the industry now and you kind of hear this chatter behind the scenes it's not really something that's known to a lot of the consumers out there but when you hear of these wine finished these port finished all these different kinds of barrels there is this idea of yeah kind of recharging the barrel where if you get a barrel and it seems a little dry well what do you do if it's a port wine barrel just take a few bottles of port throw it in there, swish it around. Uh, There's nothing that says that you have to dump it all out. I mean, it's there. It's not considered bourbon anymore. It's Kentucky bourbon finished in something. Yeah, so that's one of those things that it's kind of a gray area behind the scenes. Yeah.
1: We'll see how they regulate it, though. (laughs) They made the rule, but... Yeah. You come around like, let me inspect your... (laughs) Back on the honor system. Port barrels. Mm,
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep going here. So the Fraser History Museum, they are opening their Unfiltered Truth Collection. And this is an attraction of black Americans in bourbon. It's a narrated tour exploring. And by the way, the Fraser History Museum is a museum in downtown Louisville. It is technically the first stop on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. We can go and there's a bunch of exhibits on bourbon and bourbon history and everything like that. So make sure you go and check it out. It's pretty awesome. But it's a narrated tour exploring the unheard stories about the significant... Tr- <laughs> Sorry, start that over. It's a narrated tour. One more time. It's a narrated tour exploring the unheard stories about the significant contributions of African-Americans to the history of bourbon making. Teaching artist Brian West introduces visitors to a Brown Foreman distillery foreman, And back in 1941, a history making figures of the modern era, including a Buffalo Trace tour guide, that's probably Freddie, the first black chemist at Brown Forman, and the first ever black owned operators of a distillery in Kentucky, and the first black master distiller in Kentucky. It's only offered, it's going to be on uh, February 12th, the 16th at 3.30 p.m., February 19th at 2 p.m., as well as every Saturday in March at 3.30 p.m. And this experience is offered free of charge, but you must book online to secure your spot. That's awesome. We should go down there. Check it out. I agree. I agree. We always need a little bit more history lesson in our life. Yeah, I'd love to learn. i love learning. Get those new nuggets of information that we can sound as smart as Fred Minnick. When they talk, start talking about something, you can start throwing out dates and be like, oh, this happened in 1917
1: <laughs> and da da da, da, da. Or I had this job, this, uh, you know, know. seems <laughs> he's like he's the, had every job ever. <laughs> I used to raise pigs and <laughs> yeah, was a, was a goat farmer and
0: had made goat milk soap, all kinds of stuff. All right. Blue Run Spirits is announcing the hiring of Shalyn Gammon as their first whiskey director. Gammon will drive the development and expansion of Blue Run's whiskey portfolio. She has a background from Campari Group where she managed product innovation projects across the company's North American portfolio but in particular, wild turkey extensions such as Master's Keep, Rare Breed, Russell's Reserve, and Matthew McConaughey's Long Branch. As Blue Run's whiskey director, she will work with the Blue Run team on a selection of sourced barrels for the company's bourbon and rye releases and prepare the company's private barrel selection program, but also serve as a distillation apprentice to the Blue Run liquid advisor, himself, Mr. Jim Rutledge. She'll also work closely with the Blue Run team to strengthen and grow its comprehensive long-term product and innovation strategy, tapping into her years of experience as a research and development scientist and, of course, a huge whiskey fan. So, That's
1: congratulations. Awesome. congratulations. That's a big step for her. And congratulations to Blue Run folks. They're good people and great products. And it sounds like a win-win.
0: Yeah. I, it's going to make him... I think we
1: were talking earlier. It's like, I know. do we need to find a whiskey director? Are, I, we, I are we the Kenny, whiskey director? I was director? like... Uh, do we yeah? So do we need a whiskey director, or am I the whiskey director, or are you the whiskey director? <laughs> we'll have to have a meeting after this to see who's going to be our whiskey director. At some point, we're going to have to put down roles and responsibilities
0: into a sheet and figure out what do we what do we actually do around here. What can we what can we find people to help us out
1: with? So maybe yeah, if, but, you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this, we'll be hiring one day. But it's cool for the brand too because it's you know kind of a mysterious you know more of a you know, lifestyle packaging type of brand and now they have somebody that you can, you know, like attach it to, I guess, and, you know, like have a face for it. So which Rutledge had been a little bit, but not really. You know, it's I mean he's He's kinda of like a name behind the scenes, it, it felt right. like or just like a, a footnote on those press and, releases. Like, and and which we know the the folks behind Blue Run, they're great people, but they haven't, you know, been out publicly. So this is probably more of a public figure as well for them.
0: I agree and it's like i said and they're doing really good things uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to kind of see you know how big they're going to grow i know we've been talking to them as well as uh you know uh, they're all, we're all partners over at bartstown bourbon company so
1: we're we see with their
0: yeah we're all whiskey cousins so we see their trajectories heading and it's it's going to get bigger it's cool to see that they're going to be launching the single barrel program everybody has dreams of of getting their own blue run barrel so i guess now's the time to start knocking on doors and getting in line what color butterfly would you pick Oh, um, hmm. I do like an iridescent. How about this? Do you know like those those cars that used to have like chameleon paint we will do that? Oh, yeah. Literally
1: every well, did, color. Well, didn't they do that with the one of the riser? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it might the They probably, yeah. probably beat me to it. Every good idea is already, already taken. I feel like you get one like like those X light, what do they call them? It just lights up, keeps flashing. Like what about glow in the dark? DMX lights or whatever you call them. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: if we did something where as soon as you poured it, like LED lights turned on? That'd be awesome. <laughs> every time you lifted it. I'm sure that. they'd love gluing those on. <laughs> <laughs> that or we'll go with probably, it's probably the most polarizing thing when you see cars with it. It's like matte black. Yeah. I like matte black. See, matte black looks good on some things. On cars, uh, it's one of those things you look at it and you think, did they finish painting it? Is it... Did they, is one
1: this, step, two soon. Yeah.
0: Like, did they finish here or did they mess up? Do he have to go back for the second coat? Like, is it done yet? No, it's, it's one of those things. But All right. So Puncher's Chance Bourbon is now the official spirits partner of the Professional Fighters League, which is the fastest growing and most innovative sports league of mixed martial arts. Puncher's Chance will sponsor all of the regular season events on ESPN and streaming platforms and be served in the VIP lounge at Seasons Events. Additionally, Puncher's Chance will present upset of the night across all of their social media channels, and their highly recognized PFL Athlete will also serve as their brand ambassador for the spirit throughout the season. So, Congratulations on that partnership. Yeah, that's exciting for both of them.
1: A lot of of wins
0: wins today. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I got this press release, I sent it back to the PR person. I go, "Uh, yeah, part of mixed martial arts. It's a very fitting combination between puncher's chance and, and that just it's like it's kinda, meant kinda to be together. yeah it's kind of be it'll be interesting to kind of see who's the uh who's gonna be their brand ambassador i think it's always cool to kind of see this that i mean that's kind of a change as well is that um they will find an athlete to serve as the brand ambassador to kind of just do it but it's still part of their professional fighting league and not just somebody that's famous he found off and said hey we'll go and do this but it's still part of it so who knows so this is the other big one when it comes to government is that the Treasury has released its report on promoting competition in the economy. So this was commissioned as a part of the Biden's administration executive order that was issued last July, and it assesses the state of competitiveness in many sectors, including beer, wine, and spirits. Report addresses issues like distributor consolidation, direct-to-consumer shipping, labeling, and other practices, and even encourages states to evaluate whether the benefits of the three-tier system outweigh the costs. Collectively, they found out that beer drinkers are paying up to $478 million per year more than they should, and this is because Anheuser-Busch InBev, which earned a, a cool $47 billion in 2020, they also have 42.5% of all beer uh, sales in the U.S. They also own you know, the brands such as Budweiser, Corona, and Stella Artois, and international brands like Leffe and Hoegaarden. but you also have smaller brands such as Goose Island and Modelo, which even those are big ones. They also have Molson Coors. They own 22.4% and they own things like Coors, Blue Moon, Miller High Life, and also niche brands such as Franciscan Well and Singa. Thus the top two producers sell nearly two thirds of all beer in the United States with a combined 6,406 breweries a- across the entire United States. The wow. treasury department reported that the U.S. beer market as highly concentrated under the standards that the federal antitrust agencies use to assess market concentration. However, Spirits of wine, they're not as concentrated. They're the 14 largest wineries out of a total of 6,668 produce around 54% of all the wine produced in the country, while the 15 largest distilleries out of a total of 1,942 produce around 66% of all U.S. spirits. Keep on going here. They talked about a prohibition era law is actually making alcohol more expensive. And this is because of the lopsided nature of the sector and how it works in conjunction with this. Quote unquote, post and hold laws to raise prices. And the Treasury Department kind of dug into this a little bit. So the laws are still in the books in many states, even though they're a relic of prohibition times. It's intended to cut down on alcohol consumption by keeping prices high. So according to these laws, alcohol, alcohol wholesalers must submit a list of future prices to the state and posting these prices in advance and then holding them for a set period of time, which is usually around 30 days. However, as a result, wholesalers are often reluctant to cut their prices because such cuts becomes irreversible for a duration of the holding period. Thus, the collective result ends up setting a price floor that no one will go under. As we keep going here, the report found out that distributors also hold too much power in the alcohol industry. We kind of knew this one. The report takes aim at a number of state practices that the federal government may not actually be able to do anything about, though. Notably, the practice in franchise states of requiring alcohol producers to stay with one distributor indefinitely unless the winery or distillery can show good cause for ending the arrangement. The practical effort in a franchise state like Georgia is that a winery has no real, uh, real, sorry, no real recourse if its distributor decides to push other products. And that was its only path into Georgia wine shops, and it's now been blocked. The report notes that the current restriction on direct-to-consumer shipping also has some legitimate consumer protection or public health rationales, but also makes it harder for niche producers to reach consumers, as well as insulating local retailers and distributors from out-of-state competition. But the federal government, after all, at the end of this, it really has little power to supersede state alcohol laws because the 21st Amendment that repealed Prohibition left considerable power to the states. So it can complain about franchise states, the post and hold law, but it can't change them. It also can't convince a state to dump the three-tier system in which all sales from producers or retailers are required to go through that profit-taking wholesaler.
1: Well catch all that? It it feels like they they just could have saved the millions of dollars they spent on this and listened to us for the past two years and came (laughs) to the same damn conclusion. It's like (laughs) taxpayer dollars wasted again. It's, well, they stated the obvious and then they did nothing with it. So I, I agree.
0: I think they, everybody could, you know, learn a little bit more if they've just listened to us. I think that's the next thing.
1: Is or not should, just us, but people in the industry have been saying this for
0: years, you know, but Cecil for 2024.
1: Hey, yep. You going to be a donor?
0: We'll You're start off my with campaign chair. We'll start off with you running for like local mayor
1: before we go for anyone. We'll do uh We'll start with my neighborhood, Wendy Hills. <laughs> Actually, I don't want that. Like, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, I
0: think there's a there's a lot of good things that came out of there because it does bring it to light. and It, it does, yeah. And I, I hope that... And unfortunately, you put this report out there and it shines a spotlight on a few bad actors. And maybe it's not even bad actors. It just it, sh- it shines a spotlight on some potential issues. Unfortunately, nothing's going
1: to come of it. Well... And the beauty of this country is that because it is such a big, diverse country, you give a lot of power to the individual states to decide, you know, what's best for their state, and it that makes sense, and you know, it works in the case of most things. Um, but as we all selfishly want, we want kind of like a universal plan for you know uh, how the alcohol should be dealt with in our country, and that it makes it good, it makes it really challenging um, for. You know, producers, consumers, everyone—it's a—it's challenging when you have to navigate fifty different laws, fifty different rules, and so it's the one time that uh, there probably needs to be like a universal, you know, type of thing. But yeah, it's not yeah, going to happen. Agree. Sounds like so. Yeah, there's it's not going to happen, but it
0: also left room because it said that it needs to evaluate whether the three tier system would outweigh the cost of doing some more you know, direct consumer and all this other kind of stuff. And I feel that this would really leave the, the door open for somebody that's an economist to come in and really figure that out to see what the, are the values that you could do through the, through the three tier system versus going through something else.
1: Yeah. They, they need someone to come and look at, you know, what the, you know, what, what are the opportunity costs of missing out on things by having this in place, which you can't see that now. And so it's like, you know, with, craft distillers or whatever you know the potential positive things that could happen you know with the a change to the current system not that we have to reinvent it but let's you know tweak it a little bit to make it a win-win for everybody right now it's kind of win-win for a few folks and everybody else just has to play by the rules let's kind of well, adapt it to a new uh changing market place well i i look at it as that it's it's really helping the fat cats. It always helps the people on the top. Sure. Yeah.
0: And and that's that's what is not gonna change because I, I think I was reading somewhere as well as one of these reports that I think it said in twenty seventeen there were three hundred and something people that were employed by the liquor and wine and distribution agencies to be lobbyists in Washington. Like that's it's a staggering number. Yeah. Because they don't want th- they don't want it to change. They they want to yeah. Keep the status quo because any sort of disruption will will change that. I mean, you had some things like Drizzly come around, but that still is still compliant. It's not
1: a rapid change or monumental change that we're going to see inside the system. But, And I don't think you have to make a monumental change. I think, it, like I said, it can just be a tweak of the current system, not a monumental change where distributors still win, retailers still win. You know, everybody. Yeah, you might have to sacrifice a little bit, but gosh, now I'm sounding... Like a, <laughs> but so, yeah, i want I don't want to get it twisted because,
0: you know, the idea is that distributors are always going to have a part. They're always going to have a role yeah here. exactly. We but don't you, want to cut them out completely, but you don't need the three tier system. Like you don't need to have it legally mandated that you have to go through a distributor to be able to get it on a store shelf. I think that's probably where it goes wrong. A distributor still plays a massive role because, yes, for some people and for very large people and even people like us, if we wanted to have our products on the stores in Vermont, well, what do we have to do? Well, we'd have to go fly up there. We have to go sell. We have to go figure it out ourselves. They already have the established relationships. They can go and sell it. It's basically paying your twenty-five or thirty percent to have your sales force go and take care of it. So they already still play a, a massive role in being able to do that. In most larger distilleries, Jim Beam, Heaven Hill. I mean, you name it. You're not gonna you're not gonna DTC and go try to ship a bunch of white label. Like that's that's no. not what's gonna happen. Like you, you've you've got to find it's still going to play a huge role. You just have to get, I, I just don't feel that it should be, you know, necessary still and mandated. black and white. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it just shouldn't be necessary that we have to have a law that you have to go through a distributor to sell your product. I, there's, there's gotta be a better way to make it, you know, conceivable for.
1: Well, it, the biggest every, reason is for tax collection, but it's like, there's gotta be a way where you can still. We're paying enough taxes. Like we'll, we'll figure it out. You just got to give us the playbook on how it's all done. Give us the paperwork; we can file it for ourselves. And yeah, give you our ACH number. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just
0: keep sending us some more money. That's how it That's works. Awesome. All right. Well, I don't have any tattoos, and I don't know if, if uh, anybody else has any regrettable tattoos out there. But Fireball knows that people get tattoos and regret, especially matching tattoos, or maybe even the name of an ex partner. So for Valentine's Day or anti Valentine's Day, Fireball has created. Uh, something new. They partner with celebrity tattoo artist John Boy to create three custom fireball-inspired designs to cover up your inked regrets with. Unfortunately, John Boy has also tatted up celebs such as Bella Hadid, Post Malone, Haley Bieber, and Kendall Jenner. And so he doesn't have time to personally give you a tattoo or something like that over your ex's name. But instead, you can go and download or print out one of their three designs on their website and take it to your local tattoo artist
1: man I, I don't know what to think about <laughs>
0: you go first did you, did you, i mean you gotta really love fireball but it does also it's not like it just has the the devil on it i mean it i saw some of the designs like you'd have to you'd have to really look into it but
1: yeah and you'd have to have something really bad if you're covered up with, fireball <laughs> with a fireball tattoo and yeah, like i said it's you You got to really love fireball that's what it comes down to yeah all
0: right let's go ahead we'll take a break we'll be back with some more bourbon release news Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Welcome back, everybody. Time to start talking about what new bottles are dropping and what's happening in the release side of things. And so the first one uh, technically isn't even bourbon. It's rum. So let's talk about that. So the brand 10 to 1 tapped the whiskey brand Uncle Nearest to create its newest rum release, which is a Caribbean dark rum finished in bourbon casks. It's created by two black-owned distilleries, and this is a special release launched in honor of Black History Month. 10 to 1 and Uncle Nearest bourbon cask finished as 10 to 1's premium Caribbean dark rum is an 8-year-old mix of Barbados, Dominican, and Trinidad trinidad trinidadian yeah trinidadian is what it put on here i was was thrown for a loop there (laughs) so trinidadian column still rums in 1856 bourbon barrels from uncle nearest this collaboration is bottled at 86 proof it launched back on february 1st for 65 dollars, and it's already available on their website and you can also get it at kegandbottle.com
1: yum that sounds delicious Everybody rum. Well, I'm not everybody. This, looks, this is when I'm glad you them. read these, not me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like Trinidadian? Trinidad? Yeah. Trinidad? <laughs> I have no idea.
0: All right. So I'm not also a punk rock band person, but you know, maybe there's a lot of people out there. Maybe you heard of Beartooth. They recently released a rye whiskey and it's available to their band's email subscribers. And they did it in partnership with Columbus, Ohio's uh, Middle West Spirits. And this was crafted for a rye release and with they were also handpicked by the band it's called berry straight rye whiskey it's aged for three years and old growth charred american oak barrels and it's bottled at 48 percent. however i couldn't find a price so it's on you to find it if uh that's your if that's your band if you're a big follower of them maybe you can go check that out i've had a few middle west stuff it's pretty good Mm -hmm. so go try it so we we're starting to see this happen as well I, i already talked about rum. We talking about rum finished and bourbon, and we've already seen some things like stolen. That is a blend of rye and rum. Well, there's or like rum and some other kind of spirits. Well, here's another one. It's called Hercules Mulligan Rye and Rum, and it's a 50-50 blend of Caribbean aged rum and homegrown American rye whiskey inspired by the revolutionary era. So fresh organic ginger root is macerated in the rum and rye blend, and a splash of bitters is added as well. They started with just 2000 coveted bottles at its launch and sold 15000 bottles in just under 2 years and they are now announcing their launch in New York. This is bottled at 43% ABV and has a SRP of $38. Interesting. <laughs> it's kind of just like a pre-mixed cocktail Kind of what it's like.
1: No, I like premixed cocktails.
0: <laughs> I say premixed cocktail at 43%. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I don't oh, light you up. <laughs> yep. Two of those, and I think you're good for a little bit. You know, get an ice cube in there, just drink it neat. I'm sure it's pretty good. Yeah. So in collaboration with Marianne Eves, one of the most esteemed tastemakers in the beverage industry, Watershed Distillery is set to release a new premium cask-strength bourbon available only via online lottery starting Wednesday, February 16th. Watershed is one of eight craft distilleries to be included in Eve's Blind, which is a premium collectible bourbon series curated by her own self, Marion Eves. All the unique single source bourbons in the series were first sampled throughout 2021 in blind seasonal tasting kits that were intended to remove preconceived bourbon stereotypes, such as color and indications of age and quality. Now, each expression is available for bourbon lovers and spirit collectors. So the watershed Eve's cask strength bourbon is bottled at 130.3 proof. The price is $150 per 750 mL, and the bottle lottery will open on February 16th and close on March 9th. You need to be 21 years older to enter. I want to try it. You want to try? It? <laughs> See what she <you> picked out. <laughs> yeah, you try blind. Yeah, let's do it. We'll have it's our own good. blind Eve's competition. So Marion did blind when she sends you glasses that are Glen Cairns that are matte black like you can't see through them and then if you go and do the fred minnick's blind thing he literally puts a blindfold on you to go and do everything so what would you prefer <laughs> <laughs> maybe double blind just like i'll take can't, the can't see can't see the glass take the black Glen Karen. i don't <laughs> like to be blindfolded it's weird <laughs> <laughs> can't see where i'm going yeah reminds you of that love is blind show did you ever watch that trash show No, never. I probably shouldn't call it trash. It's like addicting. It's addicting trash because people, yeah, they'd be in a room that's completely blind and they have to find out if they love each other and and they would propose without ever seeing each other. Yeah. And you watch Big Brother still, right? (laughs) I I, I watch it to support my wife, but there are some good ones every once in a while. Hey, Chris Catan's on there for Celebrity Big Brother right now. Oh, wow. Blast from the past. Yeah, it was funny. I, I saw that coming on. And they were talking about Mr. Peepers, and I was like, oh gosh, Mr. Peepers was the one of the most legit skits ever of all time. Good old days. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so Angels Envy, they're also releasing another seller collection, and this time it's Angels Envy Rye Whiskey, finished in ice cider casks. This is their seven-year-old 95% rye whiskey, and it's finished in ice cider casks for exactly 364 days. There will be 500 bottles that will be reserved as part of this limited edition release for their 500 main members. That lottery will open uh, from February 15th to the 17th. However, there was no price point that was given, so uh, your mileage may vary. Ice cider? Is that what you said? Ice cider? It's ice cider. I huh. have no idea what ice cider is. Sounds good. Cold, <laughs> well, cold cider. We, we. I like apple cider. I don't know what ice cider is, but maybe one day we'll find out.
1: <laughs> we'll go try it. Yeah.
0: So we're all good friends with Bardstown Bourbon Company, and they are releasing a new bourbon with a collaboration with Founders Brewing. So this collaboration begins with a 10-year-aged Tennessee bourbon, which is then finished for 15 months in Founders Brewing Kentucky bourbon stout barrels, or KBS barrels. The spirit of the collaboration is core to the Bardstown Bourbon Company, which boasts the first of its kind custom distillation of over 50 different mash bills. So this particular collaboration series, it's called the Bardstown Bourbon Company Collaborative Series KBS Founders Brewing. It's presented at 110 proof, available in limited quantities, and has a, has a suggested retail price of
1: $160. Man, they always do a good job on those. It's like every time I'm like, that's crazy. And then I try them and I'm like, those are pretty good. <laughs> this, <laughs> but I'll, that was a I'll mouthful don't...
0: for a name. Bardstown Bourbon Company Collective Collaborative Series KBS Founders Brewing.
1: Once again, I'm glad you read these. Not me. <laughs>
0: All right, and so for our final one for the day, night, drive, wherever you're doing run, whatever you're listening to this on, is that Green River Distilling, the 10th oldest distillery in the state of Kentucky, has announced the launch of its flagship Green River Kentucky Straight Bourbon. It's aged more than five years, and this is the first Green River bourbon to hit the shelves in more than a century and comes on the heels of the historic revival back in September of 2020. Green River Distilling was founded in 1885 by John W. McCulloch, a man focused on quality and considered a visionary in sales and marketing. He traveled the world to promote Green River Whiskey and quickly became known as some of the Kentucky's finest. It won many international awards, including a gold medal and best of show at the Paris Exposition in 1900, and later a grand prize in the 1905 Lege Exposition in Belgium. It was also known as the Whiskey Without Regrets, one of the most memorable advertising slogans in bourbon. However, fire and prohibition relegated Green River to history. But now more than 100 years later, history has come full circle with the release of the new Green River Kentucky Straight bourbon. And today's Green River bourbon was distilled by master distiller Jacob Call, an eighth generation distiller and Kentuckian who you've heard on the show, I believe, twice now. So you go back and go check those ones out. So Call's family distilling history stretches back to the earliest days of bourbon when his ancestor Samuel Call distilled whiskey on his Kentucky farm in the late 1700s. Green River was known for its quality whiskey and call and team are proud to bring some that same commitment to Green River bourbon today. This limited edition release of Green River Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey will be available for purchase for an SRP of $35 at the distillery in Owensboro, as well as beginning around Kentucky in February 11th. Oh, that's today. How about it? And select retail locations in Kentucky, but also rolling out to select retailers in Tennessee, Missouri, Indiana, and Northwest Florida.
1: Yeah, we've been lucky to kind of see this from start to finish, really. I went there when they first started, tasted the new make off the still, and I was like, holy cow, this is going to be good one day. And then uh, got to try it at three. And then we went and picked barrels when, or I went and picked barrels when it was five. You picked two of them, right? Then we have just two of them in waiting. Two of them in waiting. Um, I think we were waiting for this, the release. And then they invited us, and I think we were the first people not in the company to try uh the new packaging the new product uh yeah it's great all around incredible price point really um it's gonna be one of the better bourbon values out there packaging's great it's really cool whiskey's good it's home run yeah the packaging we'll just talk about that one for
0: a second because you can't you're listening to a podcast you can't see it but it is a like a uh, a, like it's a glass-blown horseshoe. It's like a vertical horseshoe. So it starts at the bottom, looks like a horseshoe and kind of like builds up. So it's sort of like, it's just a really cool packaging design because it's very unique. Nothing else like existed on the market. And the team there was, they were super nice. They invited us to come and taste it, ask some questions, got to meet Simon, their CEO, and kind of just pick and at his and his background, and try to figure out exactly where they're going and everything like that. So it's going to be really cool to kind of see where this is going to grow. And it was Jacob that decided that said, "Hey, we're not ready to put this out yet." So he held on for probably two or three years of deciding when to put this out under the Green River label. So it's exciting to be able to see that happen. We've also talked back on the podcast about how they had to get rid of their earliest barrels that they had to use that to fund the distillery. So they were doing contract distilling to basically get money in to pay for all the equipment so then they could start distilling their own stuff. So it was a little bit later. So even like the oldest stuff isn't necessarily
1: theirs. It's under somebody yeah. else. They have the barrels. So it's interesting to see how that all, that dynamic. Yeah, there's been a lot of brands releasing, you know, the Green River distillate way before they have. So it's, <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're like, finally, like, yes, finally, we can, we can talk claim our, uh, yeah, we can talk about it. i I thought it was funny too that uh they used to be a whiskey without a hangover, or no whiskey without headache was the tagline and then like then the like trade committee was like nope can't say that Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's illegal to have health claims with a whiskey but anywho congratulations jacob everyone at green river excited to see the future absolutely
0: absolutely and that'll do it for this week in bourbon so make sure you stay tuned share this with a friend we hope you enjoy these news updates We'll be back in next week with another round of bourbon news. Cheers, everyone. Toodles.